The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Amazon Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into one of the largest and fastest growing channels in e-commerce and beyond, Amazon. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know about launching, scaling, and optimizing your brand's presence on Amazon. With us today is our first repeat guest, Adam Weiler, who is the founder of Sunken Stone, which is a performance-based Amazon management agency that is the premier Amazon channel management partner with over 10 years of experience helping e-commerce companies create sustainable success on Amazon. Here's the first installment of Amazon Week, where Adam and I discuss the best practices for account and store setup and the general landscape of the Amazon platform. Adam, welcome to Amazon Week on the MarTech Podcast. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, and I want to congratulate you. You are the first returning guest on our show. We've had you on before to give us a little taste of what's going on with Amazon, and our audience loved our first episode, so we're going to go into a little bit more depth. Today, we're going to talk about the competitive landscape on Amazon and what brand owners need to know about putting their products on Amazon and the potential risks when it comes to dealing with their suppliers. But first off, who should be focused on Amazon and how should companies think about whether Amazon is the right channel for them? So my short answer to who should be focused on Amazon is everyone. It doesn't matter if you are a reseller doing some retail arbitrage or you're a multinational brand, you should be on Amazon. Well, you should be on Amazon the right way because whether you like it or not, your products are going to be on Amazon. If you are a successful company, an e-commerce company or a company that's selling into retail, your products are going to be on Amazon. Now, whether you like how it's being portrayed or not, that's what you have to decide. So I think you bring up an interesting point off the bat is that Amazon is a platform. A, it's designed for e-commerce, retail, people that are selling physical and digital products. But there is a trend for people that are selling physical products to have their listings posted basically without their knowledge or approval. What are the rules and guidelines for getting a product on Amazon as a reseller and how can brands protect against other people listing and reselling their products? Well, you have to take into account Amazon's flywheel and their ethos is 
that lower prices and more selection lead to more customers, which leads to lower prices and more selection, and it competes. So they don't want to shut off the marketplace, especially from new product selection. So let's say you're at the supermarket and you see a bag of coffee you like, and it's not on Amazon, you as a customer or as a now a new seller can take that bag of coffee, type in the UPC, create a listing for it, and now you're selling that coffee on behalf of that brand. And it's kind of a pain in the butt to shut that process off. So what a smart brand wants to do is get out ahead of that and list their product on Amazon with their images, with their copy, with their warranty, ahead of a reseller at the supermarket. And then once you do that and kind of stake your claim, if you are the brand, it's a lot easier to repel the one-off supermarket resellers than it would be if you waited to play catch-up afterwards. Here's an interesting scenario. Let's say I'm a brand and I'm a coffee manufacturer. I make Ben Shapiro's coffee. Nice, along with your Apple Watch charger. Right. We did a case study in our last episode where I wanted to make an Apple phone and watch charger. And just for the record, I was going to do for this episode a sample product that was an Apple Watch strap holder where people have multiple watch straps. And then I went and looked on Amazon and it already exists. And (laughs) I bought one and it's awesome. Nice. Nevertheless, now I'm in the coffee business because you can't make products related to Apple that don't already exist. So, okay, Ben Shapiro's coffee doesn't exist, but Adam, you're a coffee reseller as well, and we're in direct competition. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a bigger chip stack than I do. You have more money, more funding. Why wouldn't you start buying my coffee and reselling it for a lower price just to lower my margins and give me a competitor? Well, I'm going to sell it to you profitably wholesale. So as long as I'm making a margin there, like you're just going to fill my P&L up. Now, if I make a pricing error and I misprice the product on Amazon, then, and you go in and clear it out, let's say I'm using a repricing software and make a mistake and set the coffee at a dollar, I'm losing money on every sale. And in that case, that's what happens. There are resellers out there that get alerts when they're price mistakes and they'll go in and wipe out inventory. And it's kind of crazy. That's interesting. I was actually thinking that if you were going to buy up all of my product, even if it's at the right margin, then you can take it and resell it at a lower margin. Obviously, you are taking a loss, but what you're doing is you're also training customers to go to Amazon and you're artificially lowering the price of a product. And so your consumers are expecting to buy your product instead of for 10 bucks for 5 And now all of a sudden you're losing margin. Maybe it's not a practical application, but talk to me a little bit about how Amazon guardrails against people using their platform as a reseller when it's not something that's approved by the owner of the product. It's kind of where they came from. Their entire marketplace is built around, we want to offer the same products at the lowest price anywhere on the internet. So they actually actively encourage undercutting of prices and undercutting of retail prices to the detriment of a lot of brands. And there's been a couple stories, but I think this is only going to get crazier as the years go by. Amazon versus brands is a narrative that is going to pick up a lot of steam. So basically, the moral of the story here is that you need to have an Amazon presence if you are selling your products. But if you're selling to other vendors, they could potentially cut your margins down and compete against you to take away your margins. 
So on some point, I have to ask the question is, why should people in e-commerce, A, have that restricts their relationships with other vendors, and B, why should they incent Amazon and this platform? Why should they continue to operate in this space? Totally. And let me use the coffee example. So Ben's Coffee or Benjamin's Special Roast, right? It's fancy stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's premium stuff. Exactly. And you're in San Francisco, you're doing pour over. The, this is the good stuff. It's iced coffee, but anyway, go on. <laughs> so you normally sell it for $30 a bag. So it's in Whole Foods, it's $30. But Whole Foods is discounting the product. They've got some special, it's coffee week there and they're discounting everything. And they're running a 50% off sale. So that $30 bag is now $15. And someone gets an alert or is scanning using different smartphone apps and they're seeing an arbitrage opportunity because that coffee is being sold for $30 on Amazon and they could buy it for 15, they pay some Amazon fees and they'll end up with $5 of profit after reselling that. So. If that coffee isn't on Amazon, this is so much easier for the reseller because they can go in, they can type in the UPC, and they'll be up and selling practically instantaneous. Amazon really likes it when there's new SKUs on their catalog, when there's new stock keeping units, new products on their catalog. But if Ben's Fancy Coffee is already on Amazon, you've got a trademark already, so you've brand registered your product, you've created a listing, you've got some reviews, you've got some sales, you probably also subscribe to some software that's going to alert you when there's resellers on your product. So you'll either get an alert when this reseller that was in Whole Foods tries to list on your listing, and it might be a little bit easier to kind of shut them off or buy them out. If this is a one-time thing, you just go ahead and buy out. They have five bags of coffee, you buy them out, and now you're back up to $30. If they've got consistent inventory, maybe the housing units, well, now let's open the tool bag and see what else we can do to eliminate this problem. That's interesting. So what you're suggesting is that as the owner of a brand, I would go on to Amazon and buy competitive products. So I'm basically buying my own product to get their pricing off of the platform so I can be the top priced brand. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And just like your marketing strategy, price is one of the P's. And if you saw Louis Vuitton for $10, it wouldn't be Louis Vuitton anymore. And a lot of people, especially in mid and high-end brands, you need to protect your pricing, especially in fashion or something that's going to give that confidence to the consumer. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. 
Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. This all sounds terrible for brand owners. Why isn't there more pushback against Amazon from brand owners, specifically in high-end retail? In high, high high-end, there kind of is. I don't think you'll see Louis Vuitton on the platform. But if you're looking at Porter's Five Forces or who owns the power in a marketplace, Amazon is the marketplace. They've got the eyeballs. They've got the traffic. They can make a brand or break a brand. It's the kind of thing where brands just kind of shut up and take it just because they make so much revenue and so many sales through that platform. And if you do it the right way, you can kind of manage that. So two things. One, Louis Vuitton is on Amazon. There's an authentic Louis Vuitton seller pricing a handbag at $2,910. So Louis Vuitton does have actual official listings on Amazon. Nice. And second, you said there is a right way to be a brand and have your product on Amazon without deterring your pricing. Tell me about what that strategy is. Yeah, you want a clean channel. If your product is being sold by a hundred different resellers, as a brand owner, all they can do is compete on price. Amazon's taking care of the customer service. You can't differentiate on that. Amazon's taking care of the website. You can't differentiate on that. Like you can't get a better location if you're selling the same product. So what can you compete on? All you can do if you're selling the same item is undercut each other. So then that Louis Vuitton, if it's being sold by a hundred people, it's gonna go down. If you study economics, it's gonna go down to break even or a penny above that and potentially even lower if people are trying to clear out inventory. So as a brand, you want the fewest amount of sellers on there. Louis Vuitton, you want one exclusive seller or yourself to manage that channel because then you can set the price on that. And as long as you're at or a little bit lower than the store or even matching the store, Amazon's not going to give you a hard time against that. So being able to, to manage resellers on your brand is super important. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how you need to be careful of who you're giving your product to because that changes the competitive landscape. You basically can be creating competition by giving your product to your suppliers. Talk to me a little bit about understanding who your competition is for different products on Amazon. Let's say I'm a coffee manufacturer and how do I make sure that I am pricing appropriately against people that have different brands, not necessarily my own? Pricing is a tough issue because number one, you want to balance your website retail pricing, but you also want to be competitive on Amazon because you don't live in a bubble. So Ben's premium coffee is normally $30 in the store, $30 on the website, but you see all the other coffee sellers on Amazon are selling for $15. And you have to make that decision. Do you price 30 and kind of that gives you a couple more margin points for advertising, or do you discount on Amazon? And we'll cover that in the omni-channel section too, is kind of how do you weigh those decisions. This actually gets into a little bit of a search strategy where you have to understand the volume that the marketplace is looking for a specific keyword. If you are looking for coffee, 
and the average coffee vendor sells their product for $15 and there's a million searches for coffee, you can figure out what your cost per search is and price down to the market. Or you just try to understand what the price and volume is for keywords like premium coffee, and you go after a specific segment of the market. Totally. Those are great strategies. Another thing that brands want to be cognizant of on Amazon is the margin and the fees that go into that. Typically, when we're managing a brand, we want them at really $25 plus for a product for it to make sense, for them to be happy. Because below that, there's the FBA fees, which are the shipping fees, and then there's Amazon's commission. And the FBA fees are fixed, but the margin is variable based on the selling price. So as you get higher up in average order value, those fees make up a smaller percentage of the sales price. So higher pricing is better on Amazon because you make a higher margin. So it's interesting. Going back to the original part of our conversation where you talked about who is on Amazon, and your answer was everybody should be on Amazon. In reality, the suggestion is to make real money. You don't want to be selling low average selling price products because all of your margins get eaten up by your shipping fees and by the margins for Amazon's take. So really, the people who are going to do best on Amazon have an ASP, average selling price, of over $25 up into, are we talking the tens of thousands of dollars or people buying million dollar products on Amazon? I don't think million dollar products, but we've managed products up to a couple thousand dollars of average order value. But the thing to keep in mind is, yes, those are the brands that are doing well, typically having a higher average order value. But if you're a brand selling $9.99 face cream, you still have to be on Amazon, especially if you're in retail or you're in other channels. Because people are using Amazon as that product discovery engine, so they might be in the shelves of Walmart or in the aisles of Walmart, find your product, but they're going to go to Amazon to look at the reviews and look at the images. So even if you're losing money on Amazon, you'll make it up on those other channels. So that's a lower price item, and that's a marketing decision that you have to make. I think at the end of the day, when you think about Amazon, it is not just a place where you can sell your products, but it is becoming the universal product search engine for all of e-commerce, specifically in the US, but branching out globally. So my takeaway from this conversation is that you not only need to think very strategically about who you're giving your product to and setting specific terms around where and how they can sell your products. But you also need to think about how powerful the placement of Amazon is and what you want your reputation to look like. Because at the end of the day, whether it's product comparison or product research, people are going onto Amazon to learn about what their options are, even if they're buying in, let's say, a brick and mortar environment. 100%. And your product's going to end up there anyway. So you might as well control the story and control the narrative. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Adam for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Adam's tips to building an effective Amazon strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we'll be talking about the infrastructure you need to build a scalable Amazon store. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Adam, you can contact him through the link in our show notes or by going to sunkenstone.com, S-U-N-K-E-N-S-T-O-N-E. 
If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of each of our episodes. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we built benjshap.com slash question, where you can submit your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. And of course, you can always reach out via social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on both LinkedIn and Twitter. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Amazon week, we've got some great episodes lined up over the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.